Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So you've never fantasised about meeting Paul Hollywood and, you know, the Hollywood handshake and all that? You know, strangely, no. I mean, isn't he just... Are we allowed to say this? Isn't he unsettling? (laughs) We we can talk freely about this. Isn't he unsettling in the extreme? I don't like the way he attacks things with his knife. I don't like any of it. It's he moves through life like he's God's gift and he looks like he's been assembled from parts by a strange algorithm. Hello and welcome to The World As It Should Be, a podcast in which we ask our guests to tell us what they would change to help create their perfect world. By listening to what they'd like to change, we'll hear more about who they are, what they do and what inspires them. This podcast is brought to you by the team behind Prima Donna, a uniquely anarchic and joyous festival of everything creative. My name is Shona Abianka, and I'm a book publicist working with some of the most thought-provoking authors writing today. I'm Catherine Riley, a writer and director of the festival. We're delighted to be your guides on this podcast adventure. The world as it should be from Prima Donna. Lucy Mangan is one of Britain's best-known journalists. She is a columnist and TV critic for The Guardian and has written for Stylist, The Daily Telegraph and many other titles. Lucy has written five works of non-fiction, including her memoir Bookworm, a memoir of childhood reading, published in 2018. Her debut novel, Are We Having Fun Yet?, has just been published to rave reviews from, among others, Catelyn Moran, Marion Keyes and Jenny Eclair. Are We Having Fun Yet? chronicles 12 months in the life of Liz, a mute but mutinous 40-year-old juggling all of the labour, seen and unseen, that accompanies parenting, partnering, working, helping out at school and with friends and just occasionally finding time for a solitary swim. We'll hear more about it very shortly. Lucy lives with her husband, son and cat, Patrick. And in her own words, her domestic setup is a miracle of efficiency and competence. <laughs> Lucy, welcome to the Prima Donna podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Before we talk about your book, Lucy, we want to talk about your home library. Prima Donna is uh, all about books after all. And we know that um, we saw it in The Guardian at the weekend. Um, and it was it certainly provoked a, a pang of envy, more than a pang of envy um, in this house. Can you? H- how happy are you in it right now? I'm so happy. It was like, and the, the article, it was like having baby pictures published in the, in the national <laughs> newspaper. I was so proud to have it. Like, look, look what I made. In a way, I really did not feel about any any pregnancy photos. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's just wonderful. It's literally a lifetime, my only lifetime's ambition has been realised. Nailed it. It's just, it's done. It's done. I don't know what to, to do now. And how do you feel when you're in it? What does it feel when you... I mean, is it exactly what you imagined it would be? It, it really is. I mean, again, how often does that happen? Never. But you just go in and it's exactly like you thought it would be. Absolute inner peace. Everything just goes quiet. Inside you goes quiet, if you can imagine such a thing. No. And <laughs> No, I know, I know. And it's, and it's instant, you know, and you don't have to think, you don't have to talk yourself down. You just go in there and you're there. And it's lovely. Was there any stress about where to put certain books or the whole, you know, people are colour coding and do all sorts of things? No, because I, again, it's, it's my domain and I am queen of it. And what I say goes because only I am going to use it. It's, it's all my books and, and my husband wouldn't look twice at my, what he calls my Bridget or Bridget sagas and all the rest <laughs> of it. And it's got my study in there and the child's not interested. You know, he's got his own bookshelves in his room. It's mine. That is perfect. So only the only you cat, the cat goes in. Cat can go in. Yeah, that's fine. Wouldn't let a dog in maybe because it's quite noisy. 
I don't know. I'd have to think about that, but I don't have a dog, so that's fine. <laughs> but yes, it was it was quite odd actually having to learn to shelve them according to just what helped me. So I had all my books that I need for the for the book I'm working on at the moment. Obviously, they went above the desk. But then I was like, but I really want my medieval history and social history books near me because I want to do something on them. I don't know what yet, but one day I want to do something with them. I'm just, I'm just going to put them next to those to those books. And I did. I took them all out. I took them out of the history section. I took the novels based there out of the novel section. I took my Chaucer biographies out of um, the biography section and put them all together, crossing boundaries willy-nilly. That's crazy. It's like a dream mishmash. It was like a it was like a rave. <laughs> <laughs> remember, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I do try to remember that. I do honestly <laughs> come out come out with a crazed look in my eyes. Yeah, try to, try to wow. reorganise the larder or something. Yeah. <laughs> do you go in escape just to breathe, or do you go in there to work? Bit of both. I try not to abuse it. You know, I try not to go in there just for fun to drink. Just you know, just yeah. when I fancy yeah. it, I go in there when I'm stressed. Or when I have to work, often see the two coincide. But I try not to go in there just for you know shits and giggles. Mm. It's it's a it's a it's a semi sacred space. Is there a bottle of gin in there? Uh, there will there is booze in there. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Great. But uh, I can't justify a fridge, so I have to. <laughs> I'm just ferry ferry um, mixers in there. Yeah, the, the ice and the slice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing. Oh, very jealous. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was very jealous when I read it. I'm sure. People up and down the land were... Thank you. I, I, I'm jealous of myself. I look around it and I'm like, oh, I, can't, I want to embrace it. I want to get it closer to me. I'm like, oh, come on. I can't believe it. <laughs> so never let it be said, I don't appreciate it. I look at it every day and go, how did this happen? I never in a million years thought I would... That's great. ...have something I could look at and just feel pure joy about that's great like I'm, I'm really genuinely pleased for you I'm pleased for anyone that achieves that like thank you that feeling it's such yeah. a good rare thing anyway on, on on that note do you want to tell us about your new book which is another great achievement um yes it's my first novel which feels a bit weird uh because like you know just made it up didn't I? <laughs> um not out of whole cloth it must be said it's the it's the diary of a 40-year-old uh, mother of two. I'm, of course, a mother of one, so I'm in an incredibly... Wildly different. Difficult, difficult creative leap. <laughs> and uh, she's married to a barrister, which I'm not. Um, but, yes, apart from that, I would say I would say much of it chimes with me and Leif. But it was funny. Yeah, it's just a diary about the... Not the difficulty, but the, the, the frustrations of, of modern motherhood and particularly of, of marriage. Um, which I both of which I find quite difficult and not necessarily fun all the time. Not as much fun as I was promised, and not as much fun as a library. I mean, combining I the two is quite difficult, I think. Parenthood and marriage together. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the library and the husband. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. Really, that yeah. too is is take take the edge off each other. Yeah. <laughs> the book has been described as great fun with a top note of rage, which I loved. Does do you think that sort of sums you up as well? Uh, apart from the great fun, I think that's <laughs> fairly accurate. Um, I mean, I'm I'm the quintessential two drinks below par personality um, <laughs> of Woodhouse fame. Um, but yes, it, whilst I was writing it, I sort of thought, oh, it'll be, it'll be great. I'll be able to get down everything on paper that annoys me during the day and the weeks and the years uh, with my husband and and not with the child, but with motherhood. Um, 
And then by the end, I thought it'd be cathartic. And by the end, I was just more full of rage than ever. Look at this. Look what is actually the truth. And for most of us, and how little things have changed and how slowly they are changing for women in the home and the, the labor division and the unseen stuff that goes unappreciated, even by you, because you just do it automatically. You know, you think you don't suddenly catch yourself in the day going, I am thinking in seven dimensions and three years in advance as I empty these bins. I'm amazing. How exhausting it must be to be doing this all the time until you write it down and your husband comes home and goes, where are my keys? Yeah. They're <laughs> yeah. in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. And all we think about is the stuff we haven't done. We don't yeah. really think about the stuff we have done. Yes, I've got no I've got no done list. I've only got the to-do list. Right. I mean I write things down after I've done them just so I can cross something off. No, this which, is this is you know. I do that as well, but somehow the, the, the to-dos still have yeah run off the page yeah deb deb our producer wow. writes on her to-do list every day get dressed <laughs> Just yeah, so she, no, I do. I, and she doesn't always get to that one no, same here i've i've have get have a shower <laughs> no, 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 no. no not always achievable not always um so there are there are hints of your own life in your book uh mm-hmm. how there are some specifics that i wanted to ask you about ghost poos where did that come out of your imagination or did that come out of that some... was a real conversation I think that was with my son or his friend but yeah there was there was just this you know they intrude upon into your life you suddenly find yourself discussing how if you do a poo mummy <laughs> and when you wipe sometimes there's no mark I'm like, I know I know it's incredible um <laughs> well, did it ever happen and I said well and I was and I said you know we could call them ghost poos <laughs> And then it got all led on to what happens if they also disappear around the U-bend. So you don't have to, you know, can, can the poo be said to have existed at all? And we decided... Very deep. I know, I know. It's, uh, we Very... take our points of departure, but we, you know, we, we try and go somewhere interesting with them. And, <laughs> and yes, of course, it did exist because it what was once in your colon is now elsewhere. <laughs> uh, it's good that there's a resolution to the ghost poo discussion in the book. Well, there's there's got to be really, hasn't there? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's what that's what fiction is. It's uh, you know, <laughs> I was very worried about the lack of narrative closure in the ghost poo saga, and uh, could not rest. Until... Good. Do you have a very good memory? Do you kind of capture these moments? Like, how do you ca- how do you remember that you know these kind of funny anecdotes to then trans translate them into your writing? Uh, fortunately, my son has his own Boswell. Uh, in the form of his devoted grandma, right. who, you know, doesn't just write down the good stuff, she writes down everything, you know. <laughs> he very cleverly turned his head to the left. <laughs> his hair grew all day um, and things like that. But she writes down, she does write down all the funny stuff and uh, I just nabbed her notebook really because she t- to tell the rest of the family, you know. When she yeah, her yeah, sister yeah, that's very cute. Was there anything in that notebook she didn't want you to see? No, no, it's, it's, it's for all the world. <laughs> It's a gift. It's a gift. <laughs> My son's sayings are, you know, a gift to all the world. <laughs> and is she she must be quite delighted that some of her stuff has ended up in your book. Uh, yeah, I hope so. She's she's not read it all yet, but um, she's sort of a, she's one of the a, a three pages a night before she falls asleep reader. So she'll get there in the end once she's finished her latest thriller. I think. <laughs> um, tell us about the process of writing it. You is this a, a lockdown book? Uh, well, thank God I done the bulk of it before and honestly to honestly I cannot remember because the last 18 months two years I think for all of us I 
I wish I had I'd written mm. stuff down because I it's just one amorphous blob to me. Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah. But I know I'd done the bulk of it by the time the pandemic arrived. Thank God, because I don't think that's a time for doing heavy mm. creative work. I think a lot of writers, you know, they could manage journalism, they could manage book reviews, maybe, mm. but actually writing a novel or anything of, of length, non-fiction of length, I, I think was was sort of beyond most of them. So it was editing and putting in a few more elements. Like Mrs. Bradley came in quite late and maybe even the other side, the neighbours on the other side were quite, they were all kind of pandemic people. Right. Um, but mostly it was it was editing. Who's Mrs. Bradley based on? I yeah. really liked her. She's based on on sort of the last generation of my family, my grandma, mm, right. that that kind of that kind of northern matriarch and Scottish matriarch mm. of the the old school, the the, the Coronation Street, and the Joyce Grenfell stately as a galleon. Yeah, because she was and described the, as sparse yeah. but full of wisdom, I think, by yeah. a reviewer, which I does I do think really sums up the old generation, doesn't it? Also, the genius yeah, of setting children to just dig a hole. <laughs> that was my grandma. See, grandma, my grandma, because really? her husband died. Um, just after the war and left her with five children under seven so Catholics mm. and no money. And uh, so, you know, they had this great time and she's been sending out to dig a hole in the garden. Yeah. And busy, you know, yes, I'll, I'll send and you can have a cup of water. I mean, literally <laughs> cups of water out in the garden, digging this hole, the five of them. Genius. Brilliant. Um, okay. Let's, Move on to your three things to, to create the world as it should be. Um, we'll talk more about your book as we go along through them, I'm sure. Um, do you want to talk us through your first innovation? Uh, I'm going to start with the most important one, um, which is to ban any chocolate-based creations in Great British Bake Off. <laughs> uh, you know, any any creations that depend on basically just beating the heat of the tent rather than your own skill and technique and and, and artistry uh, because it's it's not it drives me insane it drives me insane oh no his his bird cage with a working hummingbird has melted in the heat of the tent well then don't don't make the tent so hot let the hummingbird in the gilded cage live this is not what this is not what Bake Off's do you, about. Do you think that adds to the excitement, though, the danger and the excitement of watching? Don't we need the peril? No, no, because it's no, no, because it's no, because it's completely extraneous. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty unfair. <laughs> it's you know, you're not as a bake. It's, it's completely unfair. It's completely random. You know, some some bits, some people survive, and by virtue of that, they win. When others melt, mm. just it's just chance. It introduces this element of chance, and I won't have it. No more tempered collars. Very unfair and completely counter to the ethos. So, if you were, if you were invited, <laughs> if you were invited on to Bake Off, would you say no if you were invited on to Bake Off because of that? Oh, I would. I would have to because I cannot. I cannot cook, and I certainly cannot bake. There's a bit in the in the book actually that's drawn from life because I once, literally once, tried to make a cake for my husband's birthday and I was so furious you know I made this fucking cake and um put poured the batter into the whatever it's called cake tin <laughs> and we're talking the most basic I mean it was a Victoria it was a sponge it wasn't even gonna be two layers poured it in there it came out it came out shallower than it went in <laughs> which is technically impossible and a pancake I think that's called isn't it? I wish I mean it was it was inedible it was it was I don't know what happened 
um, well, I do. It was, it was baked with hate. You know, it's supposed to bake with love. It was baked with hate and resentment. <laughs> for, not for him, but for, for the act of baking. And I think that's what went wrong. Um, what did he say? What did he think about it? He said, thank you for the thought. And threw it, we threw it in the bin. In the book, he said he thought it. In the book, he said he thought it was a frisbee covered in shit. Yeah, because in the book, because this all, I, I, I did this before we had a child, I think. And um, but in the book, they cover it. Evie covers it with icing. She's just learned about primary colours, and she wants to make them all, and then she mixes them together. Because it looks brown. They ice it in the semi-brown <laughs> icing. Yum. And, uh, so later, he, he says, "I said you're very, you know, you're very." Liz says you're you're very good to have had a slice. Uh, he said, oh, I thought it was a frisbee covered in shit, you know, to find out it was technically a cake was quite a nice surprise. Um, but I didn't even bother. I don't think I even bothered icing it. I took one look at this depressed. So I was going to ask disc. if you're a good baker. Yeah, you have answered that question already. No. Um, so you've never <laughs> fantasised about meeting Paul Hollywood and, you know, the Hollywood handshake. And Do you know, st- strangely, no. I mean, isn't he just distressing? Isn't he not... <laughs> Are we allowed to say this? I don't, isn't he unsettling? We, can. we are. We can talk freely about this. Isn't he unsettling in the extreme? I think distressing is an excellent you, way to describe it. I don't like the way okay. he attacks things with his knife. I mean, he, he's, he's, I don't like any of it. It's, he, you know, he moves through the tent, like, he moves through life like he's God's gift. And he looks like he's been assembled from parts by a strange algorithm. I don't, I uh, Assemble a handsome man, but it was it was a prototype, you know. They it was a beta beta version of some pro some computer program. Yes, and they they got the with piercing eyes, Paul Newman eyes, but too pale, and made him into a, something by George Romero. He's he's one of those men that's just good enough to to get away with stuff and think he's good looking, and just have just enough people agree with him. I mean, he gets the girls. I know yeah. exactly. You know, there's just enough. It's like there's just enough there's just enough women give birth over history to have kept the myth alive that it can be all right. So when you're writing, Lucy, I'm presuming you don't make cake to snack on. What do you snack on when no, you're writing? I, I buy cake. But do you know how much cake you can easily buy? And it's really nice. And it's it's uniform. <laughs> is that your is that your snack of choice? Sweet over savory. <laughs> um I've got a very i I've got a very sweet tooth, but I I tend not to to snack because I'm at home all you know I've worked from home for 12 15 years now and I would mm. be I mean I'm bad enough but I would be the size of a house if I snacked so I I generally don't um but given given my druthers <laughs> I would cram Battenberg into my face morning noon and night <laughs> like logs into a sawmill <laughs> um I, I'm not going to argue with you about this this anger about chocolate tempered collars and all those kind of things. You're 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 no, you 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 can't because I'm completely correct. <laughs> so with, I mean, I do feel we'd lose some of the peril, but then as you point out, Paul Hollywood stalking the tent brings its own peril anyway. So that that's that's okay. Also, it, it, but it's not a justified peril. The peril comes from you know complete. I'm sorry. Anyway, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Clearly, I'm. Not going to convince you. <laughs> we can, we can, we might come back. Let's see. Let's see. I actually really want Lucy to go and do British Bakers now because <laughs> oh, that would be amazing, back. wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to campaign. They'd be like, they'd be like, you know, make pastry. I'm like, what? What make what? <laughs> I've not, I've not done anything. You'd just be like, no. <laughs> I could, I could, ice, I could ice a ready-made biscuit if that's of any use to anyone. <laughs> a lot of sprinkles. No, I don't cook and I don't and I don't bake. Well, you've got a library to attend to. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah when you do bake you bake with hate <laughs> yeah yes 
Yes, I say bake, bake with hate and you won't be asked to do it again. You'll save yourself a lot of time. Excellent. Um, moving on, do you want to talk us through your second choice? Uh, my second choice is um, we need to, excuse me, we need to reintroduce rationing, but for everything. So food, clothes, carbon, you know, in the environmental uh, salvation sense, but just everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not quite clear on the details yet. I like to th- I, I think about it a lot, but I, I have competing visions. Um, do you get a lifetime allotment right at the beginning and just, you know, have, you know, your parents have it in trust, you know, your coupons in trust right. while you're young? Um, or do you get free run while you're young and then just have a weekly apportionment like like wartime rationing? Um but I think it's I think it's the way forward. It's a it's the only way we're going to solve climate crisis, and people just people are too stupid to do it any other way. They're too selfish, too stupid. We need all to be just told what to do by some basically tyrannical government. I get that, you know, it's, it's got its downside. Um, but you get you get a certain amount of of everything per week, month, lifetime, whatever whatever we. Um, decide or whatever we don't decide a government imposes upon us and um everything becomes very streamlined i feel i see it as quite you know after an initial sort of transition period and and riots and things uh i see it as a very peaceful peaceful time (laughs) having pushed through that initial meltdown what do you think we should ration first uh i would start with clothes but i would say that because i'm not very interested in clothes but I think it's probably easier than food because people get, <laughs> I think people get quite panicked if you start with food. Um, so I say clothes and you say you're allowed how many jumpers. I mean, the details are still to be worked out in accordance with uh, whatever tyrannical government I have installed. Um, so, yeah, clothing allowance either for, as, as I say, you could go big and just a lifetime and <laughs> part of me wants you just to, Part of me wants to just hand out lengths of material and go. There you go. Just cut off. You know, from, I want to say there were. I want to say the phrase "bolts of worsted," but I'm not even sure that's a thing. But I want bolts of material being, you know, cut off in the streets and um, just handed to people. But I suspect we'll have to be a bit more um, uh, forgiving than that and say you're allowed so many pairs of trousers a year, so many tops, so many jumpers, a coat, one coat uh, for every five or ten years i would think uh these are these are just basic <laughs> for, for every occasion for any occasion one coat for any occasion, whatever no, the occasion yeah you don't get choice this is not this is not what this is about uh, it's about removing choice this is streamlining this is, life this is the northerner in you it is i think um i don't i don't really see there is no need for more than one coat in life and i probably mean that literally like you probably could once you've reached your full height you get your coat, and mm. that's it. I'm very I mean, some disturbed kind of durable by this. material. But you know, <laughs> rainy, rainy weather, autumnal, sunny. It weather. will be a coat for all know. seasons somehow. Yeah, just take it off. Yeah, oh. yeah, just take it off. <laughs> She's really worried. <laughs> you see, this is why yeah, this, I start with she clothes. Won't sleep where Shona, Shona probably wouldn't. <laughs> what would you start with, Shona? What? What's a ration? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Possibly shoes. Oh, interesting. I was going to say flights. 
Oh, yeah, well, flights will just be banned. Flights will be banned. Oh, or right. Have a, we go, you'll we have a, well, no, because remember, I said you have a carbon allowance. So by all means, yes. if you want to spunk your carbon allowance on a flight mm. somewhere that you don't need to go to <laughs> in your coat, which you won't want to show off anywhere anyway. <laughs> um, see, it's all going to begin to tie in. It's all going to work lovely. That's true. Well, a few weeks ago, I would have said petrol because that was driving me nuts. Exactly that. that will come out of your yeah, carbon anyway. allowance, you see. Carbon <laughs> allowance. So, you know, you'll all, there'll be freedom to make your own choices within a very limited system <laughs> that will save the planet and also just introduce a really nice um, element of you know, freedom, really, and, and, and admin to shopping instead of having just, you know, endless choice and nonsense how how though will we spend waste time procrastinating if choice is taken away from us if websites are not there to be browsed endlessly for coats or shoes or flights or you know whatever peccadillo we have oh, well, what, I think, what, I think particularly if, for writers if lockdown's taught us nothing <laughs> if lockdown's taught us nothing it's that we all have the capacity to stare at a wall for quite quite cons- you know considerable lengths of time and do absolutely nothing. Or we go for, you know, healthful walks, all this kind of thing. A bit of reading. Maybe. Did you, but in lockdown, did you buy anything weird online? No, <laughs> no, I, I, I hunkered in, in lockdown. This is what I think, this is what always fascinates me about big life experiences. Same with, same with motherhood, actually, is that actually it doesn't change you. It just aggravates and, and, and exaggerates what's already there. So, of course, when I'm under stress, <laughs> when I had a baby, I stayed more in than you've ever seen anyone stay in before. I was, like, pressed against the sofa going, everybody just stay away. I want to be more alone. Um, and in the pandemic, I was the same. I just kind of hunker and wait for it, it all to pass and stockpile a few bits so I don't have to go out. And it all worked very well. Whereas people who were, who, you know, people who need people and who were very stressed by not being able to go out and, and do everything, I think did, um, yeah, take, obviously take to the internet and buy weird things and try and, you know, inject some excitement into their lives that way. Whereas I was like, oh, finally, the world has dropped to a level of excitement that I, I um, can cope with, i.e. none. <laughs> uh I did what most people did. I did buy a fire pit um, after spending hours and weeks and months looking at the same one and then finally buying it, which has been used twice. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, and then the other end of the spectrum, for some reason, and don't ask me what I was thinking, I bought a clip-on fringe to see, <laughs> to see how I would look with a fringe. Oh, sure. And I just thought, well, I did have insomnia And at the one answer point. is not good. The that answer, is the answer. The answer was horrifying. <laughs> horrifying. I'm good, yeah. Um, okay, Lucy, this sounds like a lot of work, a lot of admin. Um, you mm-hmm. seem pleased about that aspect of it. Um, but you are, so I'm assuming you have an extremely busy life. How, how, would, this, how would this fit in, in, with, in between all the other millions of things that you have to do that you, all, that well, you also find- describe in the book? I find paperwork very soothing. Um, I trained briefly as a lawyer. I was a trainee lawyer 
Uh, And I qualified on the Tuesday, left on the Friday, because what I didn't want (laughs) was responsibility for my own files. And that's what you're supposed to, you know, they they keep saying to you, oh, you know, not much longer now till you've got your own clients. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to carry on filing bits of paper at company's house for you know, and, and being a gopher, I don't want any kind of, of real responsibility. But I love paperwork. I even in, sort of enjoy doing my tax return and things like that. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm all for the practical benefits of and, and social and environmental benefits of rationing. But I'm also fully up for the admin side. Okay. It will it will only add to my quality of life to be able to, to be to be sorting out coupons and um, arranging how much everyone can have of everything it would please my <laughs> my crabbed little soul no end <laughs> excellent I love it um I think it's also a good stepping off point to your third and final thing do you want to talk us through um the, your, your third choice to change the world or so to make it as it should be I want to start a chain of hotels for introverts. Um, <laughs> these will be quite small, compact buildings. So you don't need much. We don't need much space. But what I want is very, very um, liberally scattered, small places with quiet rooms, possibly sound, fully soundproofed. Might not need to go that far, but I think in an ideal world. I'll have sound, soundproof rooms. You, you, uh, and when so when the day or life just gets too much for you, and your batteries, your social batteries just suddenly go completely flat. You can just book in to a nearest the nearest hotel, which ideally would be some you know like going to a pret. It would be one every hundred yards or so, <laughs> and you would just go, oh my god, I cannot. But if I have to see one more person or one more person barges into me or comes into my airline, I have to go to one more meeting or one more anything with humanity I'm going to go spare and then you just take self off to introverts are us or introverts are you no one else easy introverts um easy introvert <laughs> introvert jet intrajet uh and, and presumably there would be an automatic would... automated system yeah, yeah no receptionist yeah. yeah um and you can book yourself in for I think probably an hour long increments or a day and a night if you're very lucky and just do nothing, be quiet and know you're not going to see anyone for an hour or however long it takes you to just, you know, the batteries to come back up and be restored. And would there be presumably no, no devices, no connection to the outside world? No, it's not about that. It's about, you know, doing whatever you need to get, to, yeah, just no people is the important mm. thing. No actual flesh and blood people. No actual living, talking people. No living, yeah. talking people. Or no, you see, the, the thing I didn't, re- didn't learn for years and years and years is that the clinical definition of an introvert versus an, an extrovert is that an introvert is drained by interaction with people and extroverts are... Uh, restored by it, they're, they're given energy, yeah. charged by it, they're given energy by it. Um, yeah, that's literally, literally the difference. And I'm talking mm-hmm. to the, the the psychologist who who's telling me this, and I said, you know, she told me that extroverts get gain energy from from being with people. I said, really? And she said, yes, I keep a panel of in- extroverts for just this purpose to test these mad things <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm taught. 
and they say it's true. <laughs> uh, but there's a slight there's a slight wrinkle on that, which is that introverts do like to be with people, but only ever on their terms. They're very small, you know. So in a, a right. small group of people that they really want to see and are talking about proper things, but not like the extroverts who just want to go to the party because that's that's what they feed on, just the mere fact yeah. of being at a party with all these people. And I always remember a friend of mine, who's a confirmed extrovert, um, <laughs> but is married to a, a deep introvert. She rang me up one day and said, um, just just talk me through it because I know you're, you're, you'll understand him and I don't. He's just said to me, because I was just, I'd just been reading out the Sainsbury's shopping list after I, as I was unpacking and reading out the receipt, telling what I bought. And he said, you've just been reading out the Sainsbury's shopping receipt for 20 minutes. And I said, yes, otherwise nobody would have been talking. And I was like, oh my God, that poor man, would you? So, you know, it's, and, and yet the world is basically arranged around her type of person rather than around introverts you know this is why we have open plan offices this is why we have meetings um and it's it's you know the hotels are a little bit of fight back yeah so that's exactly what I was going to ask you we are geared up as a society to sort of reward show-offs I get you know look at Mm, the cabinet mm. (laughs) for example yeah Um, not for long yeah yeah. um do do is it how much harder is it to be an introvert and is this is this little oasis these little i imagine them as little pods for some reason uh um, yes i, yes. I do mm. they have these in mm. japan is this is it i'm sure yeah it's, it's you can um but they're they're hotels you know they they very sensibly have reduced everything to just the absolute basics that you need which is a place to sleep mm. that doesn't have to be a whole room you know you right. have a pod. and that yeah. would be i would take a pod in my and yeah. my, when my batteries go flat, that's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this is not about napping, is it? This is no. About it's just it's just about being deeper. by yourself and you know not having to interact on other people's terms for a while yeah. till you feel better, till yeah. you can. Because I think the thing that extroverts don't understand is that it comes a point where you you just can't do it. You just like. Mm ballasted with your own hatred and contempt for not for them personally but just for humanity Mm. and you cannot do another thing until you've had an evening to yourself so where do you retreat to in in the absence of these hotels the library the library now um but i know now that if if i've got to go out in the week then I should I need to keep it to just once a week especially if it's if it's something mm. I have to go to if it's a worky type thing then I was going to ask you when you're a journalist two or three yeah. days before that and, and two or three days after I you know I use up my right my coupons my, so it's <laughs> I like a, ration I have yeah, to ration yeah. my energy because I can only do so much yeah and if I have to go out twice Were or you? three times a week you know you my family know just to scatter when I get in because I am not happy. <laughs> what were you going to say, Shona? I'm very quietly unhappy. No, I was <laughs> just going to say, Lucy, when you started out, I mean, you're still a journalist, but, you know, I imagine mm. as a fledgling journalist starting off, you do have to go out and connect quite a lot with people and do the whole social thing. Did you find that difficult? 
I did, and it wasn't my kind of thing at all. But the, but again, when you've got it's that's not the same as as small talk and socialising. If you've got a purpose and you, it's like I love doing book events because you can go up and you talk on your own terms and you talk to like-minded folk. It's not small talk and it's not finding out about, you know, people's cats and children, which you know nobody can stand. It's uh, here comes my cat. This is well timed me out. Yeah. Uh, And you're not schmoozing. I guess you're you're being schmooze. You're not really having to schmooze anyone. Yeah, although I I tend not to get schmooze. (laughs) But um, it's 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 I don't know. It just seems to be fine. But the the idea of of walking into a room full of strangers and having to, you know meet them properly not even but it's not yeah. properly you know that's the whole point but to meet them and and mm. show an interest i was going to say feign an interest so that kind of steps on the point but you know <laughs> showing interest in them whereas I, th- I watch people who who genuinely genuinely do want to know about people anyone they meet mm. they want to know about them yeah and i'm like why yeah. why the chances of it being interesting are so small why would you bother <laughs> Um, very true very true do you know what I um, think though I think a lot of people who seem to be extrovert actually sometimes find it hard and don't want to do that either just more polite yeah just more polite than me I think yeah no I think some people put up such a good show but they need to come out and stand in solidarity with us but far away from us to make the point and we'll go stand together but separately (laughs) In in your introvert hotel, unionize in our own homes, yeah, yeah. So this is, but this is why you know there is no introvert movement to change things. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's why extroverts have got it all their own way because they're the only ones speaking up. By definition, they can gather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Thank you so much, Lucy, for coming on the podcast today. It's been fantastic talking through your three things. Pleasure. I feel purged. It's <laughs> good, good. I just you... want to build my own library now. I really have this dream. I, I want to do come it. on your introvert rally. That's what I want to do. <laughs> At a safe distance, just, you know. Yeah. It'll just be a column, one behind each other, you know, six <laughs> yeah, feet Single away. file. Single file rally. <laughs> yeah. With headphones on. <laughs> Come back and talk to us about the new book and uh, and how you coped in your single file rally. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. I Take will. care. Thank you very much. The world as it should be from Prima Donna. as it should be from Prima Donna.